1: this is Jenna Ellis in the morning.
0: Well, good morning. It is Friday and it's always a great day to kind of take a 30,000 foot perspective view of what's going on in civil government Generally, and the institution of government that God has ordained along with uh, the other two spheres of government, the church government and the family government. And we, as we talk about on this show all the time, we as Christians and as conservatives need to be engaged in each of those three spheres of government. We need to be engaged in family. Even if you are single like me, um, you still should be engaged in your family uh, and you still should be engaged uh, with honoring your parents, um, with having relationships with your family, and um, with seeking God's design for the family. And if you are already uh, married, uh, if you don't have kids yet, you should still, or if you can't have kids. I know so many people struggle with that. Um, One of my best friends um, just had a miscarriage last year, and it was just uh, devastating, and and she is still recovering. I'm praying for her family. I know there are so many people who go through uh, the issue of infertility. And um, even if that is you uh, right now, you should be focused on God's design for the family, continuing to pray, and knowing that He has a plan for your life. Um, I don't get up every Every day, and think, you know, wow, I'm I'm not married, and I need to pledge uh, that uh, sorority of of uh, of scripture before God can use me in ministry. Um, obviously, for uh, and I'll be I'll be turning forty this year. Um, I know a lot of you uh, think that I am significantly younger than that, and I appreciate that um, very much. But yes, I will be turning forty in November. And um, you know, if I had just sat back and said. Um, well, I'm going to wait until I can get married before life can begin, then God could not have used me in the ways that he has um, in my ministry and in my um, dedication to the things that he has had for me Um chief among them have been talking about and educating Christians primarily, but conservatives and Americans in general on the purpose of government and um, truly an apologetic of the civil uh, government. And so I would encourage all of you, regardless of where you're at in your family, if you've just um, left your church, maybe you're looking for a new church and or you're an engaged member and you've grown up in your church and you've continued on in the same church, that's great. We should all be involved. In the three spheres of government, but regardless of where you're at in your family uh, issues, regardless of, I mean, you may even be going through a divorce. Um, You may be, you know, you may have just lost your spouse for some reason. I mean, all of these things are part of a fallen world. And um, or may be part of, and I do believe are part of God's sovereignty, and we can look at God ordaining and establishing our steps. And sometimes in this temporal life, we don't quite understand um, sometimes why God allows uh, things to happen in the way that He does. Um, but I can say, quite honestly, looking back over um, my life uh, time, if you had told me when I was younger, um, this is where I would be at, looking uh, into my fortieth year. Um, There are definitely things that I would never have foreseen, um, but I can see God's handiwork in absolutely everything. And my goal uh, every year, my New Year's resolution every year, um, has been for the last decade plus um, to continue to trust God more sooner. And if I could tell my younger self one thing, it would be that, to trust God more sooner. And, um, And so as we look at... The purpose of government, the design of government, and truly um, what I I believe my calling and my ministry has been for the Lord, uh, which is to teach and analyze the apologetics of government, bridging that um, that great divide, I think, that the left would try to sell us of a separation between church and state, but saying, no, we need to engage as Christians in understanding God's design for civil society, for the body politic, for how we interact with each other. Um, in civil society. What is the best system of government? How do we preserve and protect the rights that God has given to every one of us? Those questions and the answers and the debates um, are always so important to God's overall design uh, for the life of the Christian. And we are blessed and privileged uh, to live in America, to have a system of government that at its founding and at its inception recognized the truth of God, which is that God uh, gives all of us individually our rights and that government's sole purpose and its legitimate function is to preserve and protect those rights. Now, how much we've gotten off from that mission and we have strayed uh, as civil society and in the giant mammoth that is our federal government today, that it was never designed for, never intended for. Those are the things that we need to uh, pause and consider. And we need to try to work our way backward um, in, in the sense of reclaiming our government uh, from how the left has just taken it so far down a path that our founders wouldn't even recognize. And working our way backward is genuinely conserving the founding. And and I use that word backward intentionally because I think a lot of people view conservatism as going backward in a negative sense. Um, but some things, when you're talking about reclaiming, when you're talking about preserving and um, and coming back to an original intent. And even for people um, who aren't Christians saying, come back to Christ, come back to your true uh, design. Um, That is not a negative. The the left would love to frame this as if we are creating a more perfect union, we need to progress. And um, being progressive is not always uh, the, the best design for civil society. And, um, and if you are hearing my two little puppies in the background, Todd and Copper, um, so many of you write in daily. I think I actually get more comments on uh, Todd and Copper who always love to opine in the background than almost anything else. And I love that so many of our listeners love to follow them and um, and know how much uh, dogs can be part of the family right and um, and I love that my extended family, my nephews, my niece especially loves loves the dogs. Um, my parents just love them as well and uh, they've been such a great addition. Uh, to my daily life, and of course to this show as well. When they provide their um, very substantive and hard-hitting commentary. So, <laughs> if you, um, if you'd like to go and, and uh, see all of their pictures, and um, since we're we're just on audio uh, right now, even though we're going to try um, this year quite soon, actually to um, to move into uh, more of a video studio. And broadcast um, including video, and so sometimes you 'll be able to see uh, contemporaneously with the program Todd and Copper, but for now, if you 'd like to see their pictures, they are on instagram two t w o dudes for golden doodles d o o d s underscore copper and Todd two dudes underscore copper and Todd, and you can see their uh, daily life and activities, and uh, they live uh, quite a full little life down there and uh, they 're they're just running around right now it's it 's hilarious. They're so entertaining. Um, but as getting back to the, the actual purpose of the show, um, is to say that when we are engaging in civil government, um, looking at how off track we have become, um, the, one of the things that has been very, quite frankly, discouraging um, to me as a conservative Christian is to see how divided and also how disengaged. Uh, the church, and Christians have become in civil government. Um, I got a, an email from a listener probably a couple weeks ago just saying, you know, basically, and I'm paraphrasing, that we have gotten so far off track on our civil government. Um, everyone is untrustworthy. My vote doesn't even matter. You know, all of this stuff. Why Why even engage? Because I feel like I'm just participating in um, this sort of evil government system. And, and I understand that sentiment, but Taking that logic to its logical conclusion, what I wrote back to this listener, was saying taking that to its logical conclusion means that you would be presuming, and a basic assumption of that statement is that government itself as an institution is inherently flawed, inherently evil. And of course, we are imperfect, flawed people that are running government. Um, So, of course, it is flawed, but the institution itself is something that God has ordained. Just like the church and the family, no person who engages in family um, as human beings is ever going to do that perfectly. Um, Your husband or your wife, not perfect. Your mom or your dad, not perfect. Your kids, um, any parents will will tell you, not perfect, right? Um, They're all flawed, but that doesn't mean that because of the human flaws then we can just say, well, that's it. I'm going to step back and not engage because it's not perfect or it's not serving my vision of what a perfect um, society within my home should look like. And families, you know, because it's not perfect family life, then forget it. I'm just done. Um, I'm not going to participate or and, and that's the same way uh, with churches. I mean, there are so many Christians that will say, "Well, until I find a perfect church that I agree a hundred percent on everything with the pastor, and he says it exactly in the way that I would, then I just I can't go along with this." And so they are never at a home church, and they never find. Um, a church family for accountability and membership because they're using their own metric of their own opinions rather than the sufficiency of doctrine that comes from the Bible. So you're never going to find the perfect church either. Now you should agree substantively on important and essential doctrine i'm not suggesting at all that you just go to a church and say eh, well you know so so they so the pastor believes in universalism well you know that's fine or you know they the, the pastor um, denies the deity of christ well that's that's fine we can get it. we're just going to go for community well no that is actually an issue to divide over Um, Just like there are biblical reasons for divorce. Um, And the Bible says that God hates divorce, but that's because he also hates sin. But there are uh, reasons to divide. Right. So um, so it's not saying that you have to just settle for something that is genuinely wrong. Um, th- there are many reasons to leave a church, but you should not expect a standard of perfection or you're done, just like you shouldn't in the family. And so many kids say, oh, my parents aren't perfect and I'm just going you know, forget that. I don't want to have a relationship with them. Well, no. Uh, no family is going to be perfect, no church, no pastor, no elder board is going to be perfect. But as long as you substantially believe in the same fundamental values that reflect the truth of the gospel of Christ, the statement of faith, um, the essentials are there, then you can work out some of these other differences. And that is also true for the design of civil government. And what our founders unanimously agreed on were the essentials of of civil government, that our rights come from God, our creator, that truth is self-evident, that the sole purpose of government is to preserve and protect our rights. And among these, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And then they debated over all of these different ways to implement the best design, but they agreed on the essentials. And when we are viewing our engagement in civil government, just like church and family, we need to have that same apologetic in terms of taking our biblical worldview, what are the essentials, and translating that into government. Now, we can't just leave a civil government in America <laughs> like we could leave a church and go find another one. It doesn't work like that. If we are citizens of this nation, we're kind of stuck with the government, whether we like it or not. Um, so the, the whole national divorce is not, in my opinion, a really a viable option. Um, The founders, of course, uh, did leave their civil government, and I believe it was a right and righteous revolution. Um, But we don't have quite the same options in in today's society. So how do we deal with that as Christians? Well, that's where it comes down to choosing the best possible leaders all the way down ticket, right, in all offices, um, not just federal, but state and local as well. Um, this is why we are issues-based voters, not just particular uh, fidelity to one campaign or candidate, especially if we disagree with them on certain things. Um, all of my listeners, all of you know that I endorsed uh, Governor DeSantis for for president. He was my top pick. And, um, and yet, that doesn't mean that I can't disagree with him on stuff. I should disagree with him on things if I believe that that is not an accurate pos- um, position or... not the best conservative position because I'm always going to advocate for the best form of civil government that reflects the biblical worldview, not just say, okay, well, I'm for this campaign or this candidate or this person in office. I love Mike Johnson as the speaker. Um, He's a good friend. He's a personal friend of mine. That doesn't mean I'm just going to then say, well, I can't disagree with him and I got to support everything. No, our calling as conservatives And as Christians, first and foremost, is to always advocate and attempt to influence our system of government that is predicated on the truth. So this is what we do every day um, here on this show is to analyze and break down the top uh, stories, what's going on in the world, and with the metric and the measurement and the plumb line of truth, not just party, politician or politics but ultimately to reflect the biblical worldview and to continue to preach the truth of the gospel of Christ. So we'll be right back with more here on Jenna Ellis in the Morning. If you're like most of us, you're paying way too much for healthcare. That's why I want to tell you about a ministry that has been meeting the healthcare needs of hundreds of thousands of Christians, and that's Christian Healthcare Ministries, CHministries.org. Christian Healthcare Ministries is cost-sharing made easy. For over 40 years, this unique model has allowed believers to choose their own doctors without worrying about networks or waiting periods, since they are not insurance, but a faith-based alternative to insurance. Members not only get advanced Christian Healthcare Ministries is the longest-serving health-share ministry, serving all 50 states. Share the good news with a friend, too. chministries.com slash AFR. Make the switch today with any enrollment.
1: Speaking truth with love. This is Jenna Ellis in the morning.
0: Welcome back. And as we are talking about the three spheres of government that God has ordained and our engagement and involvement in the civil government and how we need to promote the truth of the gospel of Christ. We need to advance policy that is uh, in alignment with the Bible and with truth. Um, No one better is doing that, in my opinion, for the issue of pro-life than father Frank Pavone, who is the founder of priests for life. And um, Frank, so much, thanks so much for joining me uh, today because today and tomorrow Um, You're going to be leading some major gatherings at both the March for Life in D.C. and um, the West Coast. I think it's called the Walk for Life in San Francisco. So what is going on with these two events? And uh, and, and thank you so much for your dedication and commitment to advancing the pro-life cause.
1: Well, thanks, Jenna. It's always a joy to be on with you. And yes, today and tomorrow are the two largest annual pro-life events, not only in the nation, but in the world. Uh, We will have we have the March for Life today starts off with the National Prayer Service that I want to say a special word about. And then uh, tomorrow, San Francisco, uh, second largest event, Walk for Life West Coast. Uh, It's amazing to see 50,000 people walking through a city that, you know, the pro-abortion side thinks they own. Uh, The voices of pro-life people are alive and well in America. And we see that on full display during these days. Now, as you and I know, we have a government that's trying to silence these pro-life voices. So at this morning's National Prayer Service, we have honored Mr. Mark Halk, one of the victims of the weaponized uh, DOJ and FBI agents that appeared at his home one morning and terrified his family. He hadn't done anything wrong. He was just peacefully standing on the streets of America, as we're doing today, uh, to witness to the uh, to the unborn. He was cleared by the jury. But today we got together and we said, you know what? Mark's story is our story. Uh, those who hate the pro-life message, they want to silence and intimidate all of us. And that's why they did that to Mark. So, uh, so this morning, Mark is receiving the Pro-Life Recognition Award. And also Bishop Joseph Strickland. Many of our listeners may know the story of this bishop in Texas who Pope Francis actually removed from his position because he was, too, again, too outspoken on the kinds of issues that you and I talk about all the time. And it's like, hey, wait a second, this is, this is terrible. We've got to come together and we've got to realize it's not enough to have these beliefs in our hearts. We have got to express them openly out on the streets of America because that's how we change things.
0: Yeah, so well said, and um, that's that's similar, unfortunately, to your own story, um, and what happened um, in your own priesthood. And and for the listeners who may not be aware of that, um, if you're willing, uh, you know, share a little bit of that as well, because that's exactly what happened in terms of you being uh, too pro-life for the Catholic Church.
1: Yeah, it's strange. It's so strange, but uh, you know, I've been battling for years uh, to, uh, and and the Church has basically backed me up. You know, it blessed my work. I wanted to. 30 years ago, I said I wanted to devote myself full time to fighting abortion and protecting the unborn. And, and, and along the way, I've gotten a lot of affirmation on that. I've gotten the permission to do it. But there are some who don't like it. There are some who think it's too uh, it's too disruptive, it's too divisive, you know, all the buzzwords that they use. And uh, frankly, I think what the problem is, some of these church leaders are too friendly with leaders in the Democrat Party who are just abortion uh, advocates uh, uh, and, and, and they want to shut up the pro-life voices. So um, they told me last year, Pope Francis said, oh, you can't be a priest anymore. And it's like, my goodness, are you kidding me? But uh, the good thing is that the pro-life movement has rallied around me, just as it's rallying around Bishop Strickland and Mark Hout, and it's saying, you keep doing what you're doing. We're with you. We've got to change this thing no matter what anybody says.
0: Yeah. And, and I am so proud of you and, and um, proud to support you as well and to be uh, friends with you. I consider you a very dear friend um, and brother in Christ and to see what you're going through and the actual persecution, um, I would call it, from the church yeah. based on being willing to stand up for pro-life issues, um, for the truth, and um, not just for your values, but, but actually for the truth. And um, so looking at the bigger scope of these pro-life issues and what's happening um, on the ground and and worldwide, but especially here in America, on the issue of life today and tomorrow, um, where is the church at? Um, and, and God's people, I mean, you know, evangelicals, Catholics, um, you know, all of this together, um, where... Where are we at with, the, with pro-life issues when you have, you know, some even evangelical churches that are too scared uh, to, to talk about abortion, they don't want to get into politics, um, they want to pretend that these issues are not part of a biblical truth, and they kind of buy into what I was talking about earlier in the show about this um, really leftist notion of a separation between church and state, as if we can just teach the doctrines of Christ within the four walls of the church— But then when we go out into civil society, somehow we need to delegate that to uh, total atheists and to secular people who say, well, we can just divine on our own wisdom how we proceed morally with the law. And it doesn't actually make sense. And so where is the broader church in all of this? And what are you seeing?
1: Well, I think we're starting to wake up to the fact that we can't fight abortion in the abstract. I think at the root of the problem you just identified is that the word abortion has lost its meaning for a lot of our fellow citizens, Uh, you know, and that's why we, we have efforts underway right here during these marches and in a lot of the churches to say, look, let's, let's have an honest debate about abortion, not a pretend debate. Let's look at what it actually is. Look at the pictures. We have this website, lookatabortion.org. Uh, let's hear the testimonies. You know, one of the things we're doing more uh, during these days and also all through the year in the churches, more and more of the pastors are asking our Silent No More campaign to bring into their churches the actual moms and dads and the, who have had abortions, and they stand up and they say two things. Number one, my abortion hurt me. And they tell the whole story of how devastating it is physically and psychologically. People people ignore that very often. It's like, oh, it's a magic wand. It's going to solve my problem. No, it's going to bring more problems. And the second thing they testify to is Jesus Christ healed me. Jesus Christ saved me. So the person listening to them, first of all, they, they learn about how bad abortion is. But secondly, they realize, wait a minute. If this woman who had her children killed has found peace and forgiveness, there's hope for me, too, and that hope is found nowhere else but Jesus Christ. So it's a form of proclaiming the gospel. We're doing that on the streets today, tomorrow, and we're doing it all through the year. The churches are beginning to recognize this. those that have ears to hear, we should say, that, you know, we can't be having an abstract debate here. Let's get down to the truth of who this baby in the womb is, what abortion does to that baby and what it does to that mother. And when, you know, people might want to ignore it, deny it, oh, I don't have to talk about it, but you know what? The reality is going to come crashing down on them, whether they like it or not. And that's the point, I think, too. It's a broader point of what's happening in our nation. People are just coasting along. Maybe they're not even voting, but then they're complaining about the problems. Well, when the problems get bad enough and come to their doorstep, Maybe then they're going to say, hey, I better, I better get out and try to change this, maybe at least by casting a vote or two. And, uh, and the pastors, I think, are going to come to the same conclusion. Why are all these women in my congregation suffering all this pain and regret? Maybe it is time to address abortion.
0: Yeah, so well said. And, you know, one of the things um, it struck me as you were talking, uh, Frank Pavone, um, who's the founder of Priests for Life, Is that so often when Christians talk about the issue of pro-life, it's almost forward-looking like saving, just saving the babies that are currently um, in the womb and and currently um, dealing with mothers who are facing unplanned pregnancies. Not as much um, the healing and forgiveness and mercy that is the truth of the Lord with women who have in the past chosen Abortion and that is a whole other piece of this that we should talk about because um, there is uh, there is a whole community of uh, women who have had abortions and who um, are devastated because of it and There are so many uh, people for a wide variety of reasons. I mean, a wide variety of choices that they have made in the past, mistakes they have made, things that have happened to them that will keep them from coming to church and thinking, well, God can't possibly forgive me. Um, In fact, I was just reading um, yesterday A a post from Dr. David Jeremiah, who um, listeners of of AFR know, um, you know, he's on our air as well. He's uh, one of my favorite pastors. And he said this, perhaps the most challenging idea in biblical Christianity for new believers to grasp is the dual concept of God's grace and mercy. The ideas that God always loves us and always forgives us are hard to embrace at first. The grace of God means he blesses us when we don't deserve it, and the mercy of God means he doesn't punish us when we do deserve it. The mercy of God is a dominant theme in the Old Testament. The phrase, his mercy endures forever, occurs 41 times, 26 times in Psalm 136 alone. God's grace and mercy are reflections of his character, specifically his faithfulness. It is impossible for God to be unfaithful. Even when we are unfaithful, quote, he remains faithful, he cannot deny himself. Therefore, God can never be ungracious or unmerciful. His grace and mercy flow continually from his character, regardless of our behavior. There is nothing we can do to earn God's faithfulness, nor is there anything we can do to lose it. Look at Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. So the next time you are less than faithful... Don't spend a second doubting God's love or forgiveness. He has made you righteous. Uh, he has made uh, He has made you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Second Corinthians five twenty one. Um, that is just such a hopeful message, uh, Father Pavon.
1: Well, you know, as you were reading that, I thought of three people that I want our, our listeners to know about. Norma McCorvey, the Jane Roe of Roe v. Wade, the one responsible, you could say, for 65 million uh, uh, dead babies. I knew her. She was a close friend. Uh, She she turned to me as a spiritual guide, and I was able to bring that word of mercy and forgiveness to none other than her, and she said, I am now Roe no more. I am a new creation in Christ. Imagine the very woman that the the pro-abortion people are invoking all the time, Roe v. Wade, Roe v. Wade. Then the second person, Bernard Nathanson, one of the architects of the abortion industry, I knew him too. And and he was, the, 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 he, he built the abortion industry. He, he led the nation to Roe v. Wade. And, and this man too repented. This man too embraced Jesus Christ. And I was part of his journey. And I was able to give him an assurance of the love and mercy of God. Did he noticed how nice the pro-life people were treating him. And I said, Dr. Nathanson, that's because God is like that. We just try to be like him. He's already forgiven you, um, and he wants to extend that mercy to you. And then the third person was a woman, Jenna, who came to me in the course of my my ministry who had 26 abortions. 26. Abortion is a downward spiral of self-destructive despair, and that's why the sooner we bring people to healing, like our Silent No More campaign does, we are not only helping them heal— and find that mercy, we're also preventing a repeat abortion, because half of the abortions in our country are done on people who have had at least one abortion before, because abortion leads to more abortion, because it leads to despair. So um, mm-hmm. let the mercy of God triumph, and, and that's something we're bearing witness to today and tomorrow.
0: Yeah, and, you know, those stories um, are are so hopeful in terms of the grace of the Lord and the forgiveness that is found in Christ. And one of the things that is so uh, wonderful about the pro-life movement is um, seeing people who in the past have had abortions that have come to recognize um, the truth of the gospel of Christ and who are now ardent pro-life advocates, um, like the three that you mentioned. And I also think of our our good mutual friend, Abby Johnson, who who the movie Unplanned is based on. She used to be, um, a a leader at at Planned Parenthood, and she herself had two abortions, and and so many. If we took. You know the left and some of these very judgmental Christians, um, and, and the Bible says we should judge in terms of rightly divide truth from yeah. error and sound doctrine, but it shouldn't be our judgment. It should be the judgment that God has already placed on moral issues. So there's a distinction there. But the judgmental Christians would say, well, you've had two abortions. How can you possibly be an advocate for pro-life? Because look at what you did in the past, right? But this is where God's the, the testimony that we have as Christians, I always think as a lawyer To testify to the truth means to proclaim publicly, as if you were in the courtroom of civil society, proclaim what God has done in your life and to testify to his goodness and his mercy. And I can think of no better people to advocate for these issues than the people who have been in the darkest places made um, some of the the worst decisions, they would even agree, the worst decisions of their life. We all are familiar with bad decisions because we're all flawed and sinful. But they become uh, the best advocates for the truth. And there is such hope in that.
1: They are the best advocates. They really are. And uh, that's why, you know, we have a special site our, our friends might want to visit, com. They can actually read these stories, hundreds of them. They can, they can watch the videos. AbortionTestimonies.com is really, a, again, another way of proclaiming that gospel. The gospel of life is the gospel of mercy, and we who reject abortion do not reject those who've had abortions. And, and, and more people realize this. You know, even in the political arena when candidates are trying to figure out how do I deal with this issue, lead with compassion. Let people understand this is not a movement of condemnation and judgment, because that's what turns a lot of people off, including voters. Oh, I don't want to vote for those people. They're they're You know, they, they just want to restrict the women's rights and they're they're judgmental. No, we're not. We're not at all. And the, and the, and uh, these sharing these testimonies is a very, very good evidence exactly of that compassion.
0: Yeah. And and Frank Pavone, I I hope that for listeners who are are tuning in, maybe um, it was an abortion that you've had in the past or it is some other um, mistake or conscience choice that you've made um, that you sincerely regret and you are maybe still suffering uh, the consequences of um, that choice or that sin If you will ask God for forgiveness, if you will truly repent, because repentance isn't just, well, I don't want to suffer the consequences of of my actions and my sin. But true repentance is acknowledging that this was sin. This was a sinful decision. And then saying, but God, I know that you will forgive me and I want to make my path straight and in accordance with your will. So you turn from sin. True repentance is saying, I reject that. I hate that sin. I don't want to participate in it anymore. And then you turn from that sin and you receive the forgiveness that God offers. Then the hope of a joyful, full life is everything that the truth of the gospel of Christ offers. And so for people who may be in, in depression or emotional trauma or whatever it is that you're facing today, I hope that you have found this encouraging, that there is always hope for a life rich in joy with Christ. Because we're all sinners. We fall short of the glory of God. But repentance and forgiveness and truly turning away from that is how we can live an amazing and abundant life in Christ. So we'll be right back with more with our Father Frank Pavone, who's sticking around for the next segment right here on Jenna Ellis in the Morning. Last year, because of you, Preborn's network of clinics saw over 58,000 babies saved. Thank you to all who made this possible. Let's celebrate these precious babies. When Charlotte found out she was pregnant, she was seven weeks along. In the back of her mind, she thought abortion was the best solution. But after hearing her baby's heartbeat and seeing her beautiful baby on, on ultrasound, she chose life. Her heart is filled with gratitude for all of you who made this possible. Each of these babies are truly miraculous, and every day, Preborn celebrates 200 miracles. $28 a month can be the difference between the life and the death of a child. When a mother meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine connection that doubles the baby's chance at life. Let's join together and help mothers choose life. Just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby or visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com.
1: Speaking truth with love. This is Jenna Ellis in the morning.
0: Welcome back and my very special guest today is my dear friend Father Frank Pavone who is the founder of Priest for Life and one of the best advocates for the truth of the gospel of Christ including the fundamental issue of pro life and uh, Father Pavone before we uh before the break and and that last segment we were talking about um primarily the the forgiveness and the hope for an abundant life that we have in Christ and we were also talking about um, the the campaigns and the candidates and, you know, some of the issues that are kind of where the rubber meets the road in terms of advocating for pro-life policy. And so I want to get your perspective because um, you are uh, are still an, an advocate for President Trump, I believe. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you've endorsed him. Um, for 2024. And um, and so in terms of moving forward for the pro-life issue on the federal and also the state level, um, where do you see this playing out uh, primarily in 2024?
1: Well, you know, I've been uh, advising some campaigns and candidates in the following way. Why don't we stand up and challenge the other side and challenge all our fellow citizens, to have an honest debate about abortion. Uh, because I, don't, I think right now it's very much a pretend debate. I mean, people are arguing about, oh, well, you know, uh, how many weeks are they going to, how early in the pregnancy are they going to ban abortion? Oh, we can't take away women's rights. Or, you know, Kamala Harris saying a woman has to decide what's good for her own body. It's like, can we get away, please, from the nonsensical, uh, tired old slogan? And start having an honest debate about abortion. And what do I mean? Well, first of all, the key electoral question, or one of the key electoral questions, really is, when you boil it all down, do the American people want more abortion or less abortion? Which is it going to be? Because if the Democrats get into power, we're going to have more abortion. I mean, they made their intentions clear it's going to be taxpayer-funded. There aren't going to be any limits, even the most reasonable ones that people Uh, support. And that's going to be a battle not only on the state level, that's going to be a battle on the federal level. You know, whether our side wants to engage the question of a federal law on abortion or not, the other side is going to they've already been fighting that battle. And they said, you know, we're going to introduce legislation, you know, uh, to 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 take away any limitation on abortion in any state. But we've got to be there fighting whether we like it or not. So it's going to play out there. But it's also more fundamentally in terms of the voter again, I would have them ask themselves, number one, do I want more abortion or less abortion? And then number two, the challenge directly to these Democrat candidates I think needs to be something like this. Why don't you describe what you defend? You know, they like to use, again, all the flowery talking points, you know, women's rights and shoes. And listen, I believe in women's freedom, women's health, uh, constitutional rights. We believe in all those things. But why don't, if, if the other side, And they're going to do this. The Democrats want to make abortion a front and center issue. Um, And all the candidates on our side need to say, "Okay, you know what? Be my guest. But if you're going to bring abortion front and center, we're going to talk about abortion. We're not going to pretend to talk about it and and really be talking about things we all agree on, like women's health. Why don't we talk about abortion and say, Okay, you're going to do you think it's a good thing? Can you give me a description about how abortion is done? They'll never use the words that you find in the medical textbooks about how abortions are done, like the word dismember and the word decapitate. They're never going to talk about that. And that very, their very unwillingness to talk about it shows that we are right and that most of the American people are on our side. They don't want the extremism that the Democrat candidates represent, unfortunately, at every level of government.
0: Mm, and that That is so true, and it's so— Disingenuous and dishonest of the left to yes. not be willing to put the truth about abortion in plain terms. I mean, calling this women's health care um, is absolutely ridiculous. Because what about the female babies that are dismembered um, and and who right. are killed through the process of abortion? I mean, talking about women. Well, what about all women? Right. Um, so so right. all of these things are very very dishonest. But I think um, it would it would take a a level of cognitive dissonance from the left to even be willing to genuinely uh, debate these issues. I mean, we saw what happened with governor DeSantis and governor Newsom had their debate. and How just so obvious right. it was that Newsom can't defend his own policies. I mean, even talking about the issue of abortion. And so I think that, that conservatives and especially Christians need to bring this testimony to the state legislatures, because we can openly go and testify on pro-life bills. We need to have sponsors, even if, you know, in California it never has a, a chance right now in, in terms of their um, majority dynamic there to pass, you at least confront these issues on the record, and not from a position of, I'm a Christian, therefore, but the truth of reality displays, therefore, because right. we don't want people to just dismiss out of hand, well, you're a Christian, I'm to listen to you. But to ask these questions and to put this on the record, and so as you've seen various levels of engagement, uh, Frank Pavone, what do you think is the most effective forum for, and and there may be multiple, for Christians and conservatives um, to bring the truth about what abortion actually is uh, to light?
1: Well, first of all, uh, in in their churches. Secondly, in their social media engagement. Um, Thirdly, through events like we're having during these days, bring the truth right out onto the streets. Uh, And then in the political campaigns, I mean, you know, I can imagine, you know, a town hall meeting when somebody stands up and says to the candidate, uh, uh, sir, um, ma'am, this abortion textbook calls abortion dismemberment and decapitation. When you say the word abortion, is that what you mean? And, and, you know, that's a powerful question. All you're asking them to do is define the very word that they're using and the very thing that they say they're supporting. If they can't define what it is, that's pretty embarrassing for them. Uh, and yet if they admit it, uh, that turns off the voters. So it's a win-win situation for us. And I think in all these different arenas and, in, um, and, and, and and with the creativity that each person listening to us has is to say, how can I make my voice heard on this? It may be just a conversation with a coworker, but be plugged into the good information that pro-life groups provide. This is where, you know, we during our um, service today, you know, what we did, we announced a pro-life university and we could talk about this on a future program, but uh, a number of leaders wow. are coming together and we're going to, to, to launch this educational effort to show people exactly how to do what you're saying, to bring forth. In whatever arena they are in, whether they're a preacher or whether they can just, you know, make a conversation with a friend a little bit more of an informed conversation, people have got to put on their thinking caps and get back into student mode and say, you know what, I have to learn a lot more about this and I have to learn how to talk about this effectively. And, that, and then if we do, we can move the ball forward. I don't want people to be discouraged like these ballot initiatives in these different states. The other side is it winning. It just appears that they are, but we've protected the babies from conception in twice as many states as the other side has passed these ballot measures. So we're 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 on the winning side, and the confidence combined with the learning uh, is going to um, help us move the ball forward.
0: Yeah, and, and you're absolutely right that we are on the winning side, um, even if it looks like you know we. And it's true that we have lost some battles on some various battlegrounds. Ultimately, we know that truth wins and we know that it is always worthwhile to continue to advocate for the truth. And I always when I'm discouraged, I always go back and look at the Old Testament uh, prophet Jeremiah because he did not win one single convert in his entire um, ministry. And yet God called him faithful because he did what God had for him and he was faithful to the Lord and he was faithful in proclaiming the truth and that's where we need to be and not measure our success in you know dollars or policy initiatives or any of these other things which are all well and good I mean we want policy initiatives to pass we want to continue um, to move the pro life needle all of those things but we can't get discouraged when we do lose some of the battles because we are ultimately advocating for the truth and we are changing hearts and minds and especially for the next generation, which I I think sincerely still is going to be and is um, the, the, Biggest percentage of the pro life generation that we've had um, since Roe versus Wade and, and a little prior to that, uh, that is always really encouraging because the more people that you change how they think, then they're going to act on their genuine beliefs. And so, um, in the last two minutes I have with you, um, Father Pavone, so, you know, we've mentioned that you're at uh, both of these uh, rallies today and tomorrow. If people are in DC or they're in San Francisco, um, can they still participate and how can they get involved?
1: Oh, yes. There's a website, ProLifeMarch.org, and at ProLifeMarch.org, they're going to see the schedule of events, uh, the timetables, the locations, and the nature of the event. There's more rallies to come. There are more prayer vigils. There are more rallies where we're going to hear these beautiful testimonies. So if you go to prolifemarch.org, that's your one-stop shopping, and they'll have all the info that they need. And I hope to see a lot of our listeners. You know, Jenna, people come up to me all over the country, I heard you on Jenna Ellis, you know? So uh, I look forward to that happening some more today and tomorrow.
0: That's great. And um, we'll tell tell everyone that I that I said hi as well. I'm not going to be in uh, D.C. or San Francisco, but I will be praying along with um, all of you. And I continue to pray daily. And, and I think that um, so often, unfortunately, Christians really um, don't grasp hold of the genuine power of prayer. Because the number one thing we can do and are called to do is to pray for our nation, to pray for our leaders. And there is power in prayer. And, uh, and the Bible says uh, that we are commanded to pray. And with Thanksgiving, I mean, we should be thankful that we still have freedom and liberty in this country as much as we're all concerned about everything in, that's going to happen in 2024 and beyond. Um, we can still be grateful and thankful. Um, but we should be praying for uh, the pro-life movement to sweep the country and for people to um, whose hearts to be changed. I mean, imagine, Frank Pavone, if by, by some miracle, um, Gavin Newsom was saved and and actually changed his perspective right. and totally leaded right. California different. I mean, imagine how amazing that would be. And we've seen testimonies like that of, you know, former people who've who've been involved in all kinds of things that give their life to Christ and then they become one of the best advocates because they've come out of that life. So we need to be praying um and we need to be moving uh, the needle further. And so so um in terms of the the political side of it, um, I, I think that Donald Trump is going to be the nominee, um, especially after Iowa, you know, looking ahead to New Hampshire, South Carolina, Super Tuesday and all of that. Um, you and I have talked about some of you know, his backing off of the pro-life issue that um, that both of us disagree with. Do you think that that is going to change? And what do you hope that his message as uh, the, the GOP candidate becomes heading into the general election? I
1: think his message is going to be and needs to be, hey, America, we have not solved this issue. It's tearing our country apart. Let's get down to the hard work of solving it. I I think President Trump, and you know him better than I do, but I think that President Trump is a person who he's going to try to look at all the different variables and say, look, we've got a problem here. How do we solve this problem? And and how do we do it in a way that doesn't run away from it? What I've been hearing him say is, you know, don't don't run away from the issue And 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 by for goodness sake, if you're going to talk about it, talk about it the right way. And uh, I think if we just take that because we don't know what kind of Congress we're going to have. You know, I mean, he may he may win the White House and that might be easier to predict as time goes on than what the makeup of the Congress is going to be. But on all the levels, as you know, it's very, very evenly divided right now politically in America. And we could go either way. I mean, we could end up with a Republican trifecta. Uh, or God forbid a Democrat trifecta, but, but the point is that, uh, are we going to, that's why we can't be too specific right now about what kind of legislation a president would sign. I think I'd like to hear more of the debates and the discussions and the, you know, the pledges and the promises revolve around what we know the next president can do on day one. For example, he will either reaffirm or, or negate the Mexico City policy. And uh, this is our tax money going for abortion. He will either strengthen Title 10 to keep money away from Planned Parenthood uh, or or let them keep receiving their tens of millions of dollars every year. So it's it's um, there are certain executive actions that from day one can be taken related to abortion. And I think if we start to make the conversation very practical and focused on the reality instead of so many of these hypotheticals, then we can say, okay, you know, Americans can say, yeah, I kind of agree. My money shouldn't go for abortion my tax money yeah people maybe they think they should have the right to do it but i don't want to pay for it so let's start there and let's make some progress step by step i think the key thing whether it's president trump or anybody else let's not run away from this issue let's not be afraid of this issue let's learn how to talk about it and let's wrestle with it for the good of america
0: yeah, so, so well said. And I and I absolutely uh, support and agree with what you just said, that regardless of who it is, whether it's President Trump or anyone else, uh, we need to be values voters and we need to encourage um, all of our leaders and regardless of who is in the White House, who's in Congress, to advocate for pro-life. And I don't think, um, you know, regardless of whether it's a Republican or Democrat trifecta or a Um, kind of a, you know, a divide um, in between that. I don't think we're going to get abortion legislation out of Congress anytime soon. I think we're going to see more of this battleground on the state level. I would love to see something come out of Congress, but I just think it's too divided and too divisive that Congress is never going to agree on anything um, in both chambers to send uh, to the president. We can hope and pray for something like that and for something good. Um, But as the work continues, I think you're absolutely right, uh, Frank Pavone, for Life to say that we need to continue to advocate for the truth of pro-life issues. And that plays into everything else, policy as well. We need to promote the truth of the the Bible and to reflect that in our policy. So thanks so much for joining me today. I wish you the best uh, there on the ground today and tomorrow. And thanks so much for joining me.
1: Always good to be with you. God bless.
0: God bless you as well. And that is it for us today. Have a great weekend. You can always reach me and my team, Jenna, at AFR.net. Pray, pray, pray for the future of this country. I want to thank my sponsors, Preborn and Christian Healthcare Ministries. Preborn Network Clinics have rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion, and every day they save 200 babies' lives. But they can't do it without our help. Will you head over to preborn.com slash AFR and sponsor an ultrasound?